there was uh, a saying that was popular. Well, maybe it still is. It was popular when I was a kid where you go to give someone a high five and they don't see you. And there's that awkward moment where you say what? Come on, man. Don't leave me. Don't leave me hanging. Just happened with uh, one of my nephews that that high five awkward moment. And it's like, hey, don't leave me hanging. And of course, the thought is don't leave me hanging up in the air. Right. Uh, But as I was thinking about that phrase a few years ago, seems kind of strange. And I've heard students say it my whole teaching career, but I started thinking about Jesus with that phrase because he's Christ was the best example of someone left hanging, wasn't he? He was left hanging for us all. And so what I want to share with you today is an opportunity for us to never leave Jesus hanging, to come as we are and stand up for Jesus. Do you have that one friend in your life that you know that you can count on no matter what? The friend that's going to show up when you get a flat tire, when you run out of gas, when you need a ride to the airport. Do you have that friend? Picture that friend. I know the Bible says Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, but sometimes he's not out there turning a lug nut wrench with, right? He's with us. And sometimes he sends people, I know he has for me to the side of the road, but that one friend in life that walks with you, that is there for you, that never leaves you hanging. Do you have that friend? Some of you, it might be your siblings, your family members. Some of you, it might be your parents. For me, uh, it was not my parents. You see, uh, I had flown into Arizona from college in Lincoln, Nebraska, and my parents had just moved to a mountain town in Arizona called Prescott. You got to say it, Prescott, not Prescott, if you're a local, Prescott. And so that's about two hours from Phoenix. So I flew into Phoenix and I had to take a shuttle uh, because I got into Phoenix at 10 p.m. and take a two-hour shuttle to get into Prescott at midnight. And my parents were supposed to be there. And it was Christmas break. And Prescott is the original Mile High City. I don't know if you knew that, but they get a lot of snow. They're a mile up in Arizona. And so I got in at 12 a.m. It was cold. It was snowing. And my parents were supposed to be there to pick me up. And I watched everyone who was on the shuttle with me one by one get picked up by their folks or their friends or that one person who shows up at midnight to pick you up. And I was the last person there. And finally, the person who worked at the shuttle agency said, I got to close up. I mean, it's 1230 now and I'm going to go into bed. So she closed up the area where I was keeping warm in the lobby and she went home. And so I went outside. My parents weren't still there. I called, I was calling, called the answering machine, left a message, but it got later and it got colder. So, uh, I took out my snowboard gear. I had brought my snowboard home because um, 
there's at least a little bit of snowboarding in Arizona compared to Nebraska. So we have a, we have a mountain with three chairlifts in Arizona in Flagstaff. So I brought my snowboard home to, to go snowboarding and I took it out and I got all my uh, snowboard gear out. You know, the snow pants and the jacket and the beanie. And I'm gonna teach you to go snowboarding someday too. And, that, and I even put the helmet on because the helmet has padding and ear covers and it was warm and just kept calling. Finally, I called and left a really loud message. Wake up! Screaming because my parents don't have a phone in the bedroom. So I'm leaving this message on the voice, on the answering machine in the kitchen. And I'm screaming as loud as I can, wake up. You see, my parents had set the alarm for 12 p.m. instead of 12 a.m. Have you ever done that before? This was not the right time to do that. So I put on more clothes. It's getting to be close to 1 a.m. now. I called a third time, but this time I thought I would try a new tactic. See, we always have had dachshunds in the house growing up and they're they're like little alarms themselves they're constantly barking and so I thought well I'm gonna bark into the answering machine and see if it wakes the dogs up and they wake my parents up so I'm in full snowboard gear barking ruff, 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 woo, howling like a dachshund oh trying to get the dogs to wake my parents up if someone was walking by and they didn't think I already had a problem <laughs> Seeing me in all this gear with a helmet on, barking into the phone, they must have really thought I had some issues. And still no answer. So, I thought, what are my options? I have a phone. There was no Uber or Lyft. I could call a taxi. But I don't really want to go home. I'm so angry at my parents for doing this to me that... I said, well, there's a Motel 6 across the street from the shuttle area. And I'm just going to head over there and spend the night there. So I took my board and my bag, and I walked uphill in the snow, barefoot. No, not barefoot, but literally up a huge hill in the snow to Motel 6. They left the light on for me. They didn't leave me hanging that night. My parents left me hanging. I think they eventually woke up around 2 a.m. and realized what they had done, and they called me back. But I was checked in and half asleep. And I said, really, in an angry, not-so-respectful voice of my parents, I said, I am staying here tonight, and you're going to pay me back in the morning. Now go to back to your room and think about what you've done kind of turned the tables on what they told me my whole life. Wasn't the most respectful thing. The story we're going to look at today is about someone who came just as he was. He stood for Jesus, and he did not leave Jesus hanging like my parents left me hanging that night. Our story begins in Acts chapter 3. If you'd like to turn there, Acts chapter 3. Hi, Sally. 
Acts chapter 3 and the first verse. Acts the third chapter and the first verse. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Hi. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. As he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Let's pause right there. There is power in the name of Jesus, isn't there? Power in His name. Jesus is the only way that Peter or John could have spoken with that kind of authority. He said, look at me in the eyes. I'm about to do something amazing, powerful, that only can be attributed to God's power and from His authority. Peter healed in the name of Jesus and no other. Peter healed by the power and authority of Jesus. You know, you and I have that same power. We have access to that same power. It's all through Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. Let's pick up in verse 8. I'm going to read here because I think you have a little different version for me. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. Have you ever felt like that before? Man, when my Achilles healed, boy, you better believe I was doing leg I was doing all these lunges and calf raises and walking and leaping and jumping and back to basketball. Some of people I know in Colorado were leaping and jumping and praising God when they heard Russell Wilson was coming to the Denver Broncos. Some of you do that when you know God has answered your prayer. Do you know how long he had been praying? I can't imagine to walk. You couldn't help, you couldn't keep him down. He was going to sing and dance and leap and praise God. Wouldn't you? And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. When we pray, we use those words in Jesus' name. But we don't think about that we say that at the end of the prayer because Jesus is the only way to the Father. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We say it at the end of our meal And we say it really fast, right? In Jesus' name, amen. You ever say it like that at the end of dinner? In Jesus' name, amen. My students say it. In Jesus' name, amen. But that's the most powerful part. 
The most powerful part is you saying in Jesus' name, that gives you power akin to the Creator. Matthew 28.18 says, when you pray in Jesus' name, you pray under His authority. When I say in Jesus' name, I claim all power and authority that the disciples had. You have it too. You have all power and authority that the disciples had claiming in His name. What if we remembered that we could say in Jesus' name and make the lame walk? Man, what could we do? Now, it's not a magic trick. It's not to get your selfish pleasures. You're saying, well, I just say, I'll just say in Jesus' name so I can get that, that new Tesla. So I can get a new house. No, no, no. It's not for selfish pleasures or wicked desires. In fact, 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have that when we pray according to God's will, if I pray according to His will, He hears us and we become surrendered to His will. So now my will aligns with His will and that's when you get what you're asking for in Jesus' name. When you pray under His authority and when His will and your will align. And John 14, 13 and 14 says, you'll get it if it brings glory to God, not glory to self when you ask in jesus name many of you know my story i shared it with most of you those of you who haven't heard it a couple of you a year and a half ago i was dying on the ground taking my last breath so i thought from a widow maker heart attack and i cried out, deliver me in Jesus' name. Psalms 34 says that when the righteous cry out for deliverance, He hears you. And I said two words, deliver me. And I know He heard me because I had a 100% blockage of the largest artery in my heart that supplies blood to my entire body, oxygenated blood, even to my brain and to my heart, and keeps my heart in rhythm. And the doctors at Parker Hospital said, we don't meet people like you. When people have a widow maker, why is it called a widow maker? Makes people widows. And they said, we don't have an explanation either. There's no medical explanation. If your blood stops 100% and has nowhere to go, the only person that can make a way is the way maker, right? And so he made a way and I cried out, deliver me. And God heard me because he knew I was praying in Jesus' name under his authority. I shouted it. By the end, I was whispering it, deliver me, deliver me. But God heard me because I wasn't claiming my own power or my own authority. I was saying, in Jesus' name, deliver me. And He did. So, okay, first key point I want you to remember. 
when you stand up for Jesus, be sure you stand under his authority, not yours. You don't have it. It's not about me. It's about him. When you stand up for Jesus, make sure you are standing under his authority and his power. Key point number one for us to stand up for Jesus. Now, would you jump over to the next chapter with me, Acts chapter 4. Uh, the rest of Acts chapter 3, you can read about it. Um, it's more celebrations and more of Peter uh, and John basically calling out everyone saying, you shouldn't be surprised. Uh, we did this with the power of Jesus, the one who you crucified. And they'll reiterate that again in Acts chapter 4. But they didn't mince words. They said, you know how we did it? With the person you killed. And he raised up from the dead. He resurrected. That's how we healed him. So now we go to Acts chapter 4. The lame man has been dancing around proclaiming the name of Jesus. Peter and John have been preaching in his name and they are about to be taken into custody. Custody. <clears throat> and as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. Wow, praise God. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priest's priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, you better look to Jesus. This is so good. Let it be known to all you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by Him this man is standing before you well. Wow. There is power in the name of Jesus. And He doesn't mince words. He says, there is one reason He was healed. I'm pointing you straight to Jesus. And guess what? You killed Him. But you didn't succeed. The tomb is empty. And God raised from the dead. And this man is standing here before you well because of Jesus. Fill us with the Holy Spirit, God, like you filled Peter. <clears throat> John 14, 21, Jesus says that when you keep his Father's commandments, when you love God, or I will insert, when you stand up for God, He will manifest Himself in you. The Greek word for manifest is phaneros. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. The Greek word for manifest is phaneros, which literally means to make visible. 
apparent or clear. So really what John 14, 21 was saying is that Jesus will make Himself known to you. He will make Himself visible. He will physically manifest and spiritually manifest Himself in you. And if He's visible to you, and you receive Him, then what are people going to see in you? They're going to see Jesus in you. They're going to see His light. You literally become the visible manifestation of an invisible God. Did you hear that? You get to become the visible manifestation of an invisible God. And all you do is you keep His commandments when you love God, when you stand up for Him, He will manifest Himself in you. It's like the event horizon in a black hole. We can't see the black hole. But how do we know it's there? Because of the event horizon around it. So the event horizon is making an invisible black hole visible to us because why can't we see a black hole? Because the gravitational pull is so strong that light can't even escape it. But I can see the event horizon where things are getting sucked in, where light is disappearing. And that's such a beautiful picture of Jesus manifesting Himself in us so that we get to be the event horizon. We get to be the visible manifestation of invisible God. Phaneros, to make visible, apparent, or clear. Jesus is making himself known to you so you can make him known to everyone else. That is the prayer that we all should be praying. It should go like this. Jesus, manifest yourself, or if that word is too big, Jesus, make yourself visible to me. Come into my heart so that you are visible to others through me. You may be the only Jesus that someone sees here at Castle Rock Hospital. That should be our prayer. Manifest yourself in me. I will manifest myself in you and others will see you in me. I'll shine like the shirt says. Me and Jim are matching today. I thought, what, what a great... Way to wear short sleeves to church and stay cool and shine for Jesus. If Jesus is living in me, then I will shine for Him and everyone I meet will meet Him. Everyone I talk to will hear Him. I share my miracle heart attack story with everyone I meet. I just shared it in Starbucks a few days ago. Because I can't keep it in. Because God did something for me that I have to share and I have to shine. I'm not gonna, Satan's not going to put my light out. If I'm not dead, then he's not done with me. So I'm going to let it shine. You know what Ellen G. White says uh, in Testimonies for the Church, page 88? Uh, she says that Jesus walks with us every day. If eyes could be opened, we would see him in our midst. He walks with us every day. I can go to Starbucks and say, here's my friend named Jesus. He's walking with me. He's in my midst. He's in me. He fills me. He lives in me. And I can share him because he goes with me wherever I go. 
Is, is that not aligned with the Bible? Does it say in the Bible that Jesus will never leave us nor forsake us? If eyes could be opened, we would see Him. He's not touching the ground, right? The Bible says that too. We meet Him in the sky, right? But He's still in our midst and how with the Holy Spirit. Man, if we could remind ourselves on the daily. No, just thank Him. Not pray, Jesus, walk with me today. No, 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 no. Thank Him. Jesus, thank You that You're walking with me today. I already know You are. The Bible says so. Thank You for walking with me today. Key point number two that I want you to remember. When you stand for Jesus, ask for His Holy Spirit and His presence to be manifested in you. Stand next to Him. He's standing next to you. Ask for His Holy Spirit. How often do we forget to ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us that the Holy Spirit be manifested inside of us, that others would see Jesus in us. Can the Holy Spirit still come and fill us today? You better believe it. Can the Holy Spirit still speak through us today? Yes. Can He speak through the young and the old? You better believe it. Now let's go back to Acts 4. And we're skipping down to verse 13. <clears throat> Basically, the 11 and 12, Peter's just still saying, you rejected him. This, the guy who did it is the guy who killed. Acts 4.13 Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, the courage, and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Woo! I want someone who's been talking to me at Starbucks to say, whoa, that guy's been with Jesus. That guy has spent some time with Jesus. Wherever I go, I want people to look at me and hear my words and say, Jesus is speaking through him. It was evidenced by their boldness and their authority with which they spoke. They had been with Jesus. They had communed. They had fellowshiped with Jesus. You don't get that boldness unless you're spending time with Jesus. Boldness. The Greek word for boldness is told me. Or told me. I think I'm pronouncing it right. Told me. Boldness. Do you know what the Greek actually, the, the meaning for told me is? It just means openness, actually. The literal definition is openness. They were open. And it is used five times in the entire book of Acts. Three of those times were here in chapter 4. Peter and John aren't messing around here, are they? They are speaking with boldness and openness. They are calling out the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes and now all these religious leaders. This is the power with which we used and this is what you did to him. And we will not forget. 
And we will not be silent. Boldness. Being open. That same word, told me, is used in Hebrew 4.16 when describing the confidence or the boldness or the openness that we should have when approaching the throne of grace. Do you want to come to the throne of grace with confidence today? Do you want to come to the throne of grace with boldness? Come as you are. That's why we sang, oh, come to the altar. Come with boldness and confidence and openness like Peter and John did. Hebrews 4.16 If you're approaching the throne of grace with confidence, then you're approaching it with assurance. When you come to Jesus, you know He's listening, don't you? When you come to Jesus, you know He's going to answer. You know He's listening. And it's the same uh, word in the verse I mentioned before, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. <clears throat> this is the confidence that Peter and John had. The confidence that when we pray according to God's will, that He hears us, remember that? And will become surrendered to His will. That same word is told me in Hebrews 4, 16. What is that confidence Peter and John had that brings that element of boldness? How can we have that? This is how. Point number three. Don't forget it. Key point number three. If you want to stand up for Jesus, you must make contact with Him every day. They said, we know Peter and John have been with Jesus. How did they know? Because these dudes were uneducated, common, laymen that shouldn't have been able to speak with the authority and the knowledge that they were. If you want to ask me, how can I pray with boldness, or speak with boldness or confidence or assurance, just spend time with Jesus. Make contact with Him every day through prayer and petition and Bible study. When you rub shoulders with Jesus, people are going to know. People are going to recognize. And guess what? People are watching. Everywhere you go, people are watching. So, will, will you remember that? Just rub shoulders with Jesus in some way through prayer, petition, Bible study, being out in nature, singing for me. My highest form of praise and worship is music. That's how I spend the most time with Jesus in music. Rub shoulders with Him every day and then you can stand up for Jesus the way Peter and John stood up for Jesus. Just make contact with Him every day. Okay, now, going on to verse 14, we find the most amazing part of the story. Get back to Acts in your Bibles, chapter 4. And verse 14, this is the most amazing part of the story. And it's hidden behind the scenes. But since they could see... Now remember, they were saying, we, we realize these people are unschooled, ordinary, common, and they were astonished. They knew that these men had been with Jesus. But, in verse 14, but, seeing the man who was healed standing right beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. He was there. Who stood with Peter and John? The lame man. The lame man that they had healed 
has, was there standing with Peter and John. So all these educated people, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, couldn't say anything in opposition because there was the evidence looking them right in the face, standing there. But where had he spent the night? You remember in the story it was getting late, right? If you go back to Acts 3, it says it was getting late, and they said, all right, we're going to take him into custody and we'll deal with them tomorrow. Where had he spent the night? I have researched this as much as I can, and biblical scholars maintain that either he spent the night in custody with Peter and John, because we don't know for sure, or most scholars say he went home and then returned in the morning to the temple precinct the next day. He came back to stand up for Jesus. Either way, whether he went into custody with them and spent the night in jail, or whether he went home and then came back the next morning, he was there. He presented himself as a living and walking testimony of what God had done for him. He was there. The last point I want you to remember is that sometimes to stand for Jesus just means to show up. Just show up. Even when you don't have the strength. You guys came to church today. Even when you don't feel like you have hope or that God is answering any of your prayers, even when it might be hurtful or intimidating, just show up. Be a living testimony to the power of God. Do you know what I tell people? I tell people that I am a miracle with a heartbeat. I am a living testimony with a heartbeat of the power of God. So just show up. Just show up and let God do the rest even if you don't have the strength or the hope. I have struggled with depression in my life where my mom would sit, call me and say, just get up, just get up and go exercise. Just get up and go play basketball. You like to do that? And I'd say, Mom, I can't even get out of bed and put my shoes on. Depression is real. And sometimes I would just have to show up. When I couldn't really stand, where I couldn't really fight, I just had to be there. And now I'm standing in front of you as a living testimony to the power of prayer, the power of Christ to be a way maker. Renee asked me, and I just showed up. I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. But God was, wasn't he? God was ready. God was prepared. So what example does the lame man set for us? When God does anything for us, I mean anything, even just getting you up out of bed in the morning, but even when you wake up with a heartbeat, just that. Do you know every day I thank God for my heartbeat? Sometimes you might forget to thank Him for that, right? Maybe not anymore. 
Every day I thank God for my heartbeat. So even just waking up, or if He heals you, or if He answers a prayer or works a miracle, or if He calls you to be part of His kingdom, or if He calls you to ministry, don't walk away from God. Just show up. Stand up for God. Don't walk away from God. Even in harm's way, stand up for God to be used by Him so others will see Him manifested in you wherever you go. Whatever the result is, you stand for Jesus. You stand for truth. You stand for the way, the truth, and the life to be used by Him. And I'm telling you right now, I know for a fact that if you stand up for Jesus, the Lord will bless you. I know that and I pronounce that. If you believe it and you receive it, I'm telling you today, if you stand up for Jesus, He will stand up for you and bless you. But where is He going to stand up for you when it matters most? In heaven. In that great courtroom where God is the judge. If you stand up for Jesus in this life and on this earth, Jesus is going to stand up in front of God and say, not guilty, innocent. They are covered with my blood. They stood up for me their whole lives and I'm standing up for them in the court of heaven and their names are written in the book of life and they belong here in heaven. I I don't know for sure if He's going to bless you on this earth in every way that you see a blessing might be a blessing to you. But I know that He will stand up for you if you stand up for Him on that day when it matters most. At the beginning, I shared that uh, Jesus was the best example of someone left hanging, wasn't He? I'm so ashamed that I left Jesus hanging on that cross. And you might say, well, I wasn't there. I didn't leave Him hanging. But it was your sin. It was my sin. It was your nails. It was your crown of thorns and my crown of thorns. It was That, that spear was meant for me. That cross was meant for me. So I left Him hanging on that cross, but that cross wasn't the end of the story, was it? I continued to leave him hanging as a kid. We had, uh, we had a the very famous picture of Jesus over our, our fireplace mantle in the place of honor in our house. And I remember as a kid walking by that picture and just looking at it, oh, that's a nice picture of Jesus. And, and I'd have to walk by it to go to school And I'd leave him hanging up there still without inviting him to school with me. So I left him hanging on the cross and I was continuing to leave him hanging up on the wall without inviting him to come with me. Now you better believe before my feet touch the ground, I invite him to come with me. I don't leave him hanging anymore. All I had to do was show up. Come as I am. Come as you are. Just show up for God and He will show up for you. Because even though I left Him hanging, He never left me hanging. Amen? And He never leaves you hanging, ever. And friends, He's coming back. Do you believe that? 
He's coming back to take us away from all this pain. So now I'm the one hanging, but I'm hanging on each moment until I see him coming in the clouds. Are you? Every day I say, God, could it be today? Could it be today? Could you come in the clouds today? And church, I will be ready. I will not forsake him. I will not run away instead of standing up for him. I will stand up for him. I will, even when I don't feel like it, even when I'm feeling with so much pain and regret and shame and guilt, I will come as I am and stand up for him because I can't wait to see him. How about you? I can't wait to see him. You might be saying to yourself right now, I can't even stand on my own, let alone stand up for Jesus. That's okay. Like the song says, God says, come as you are. He'll do the rest. He will slay the giants in your life. He will split the seas wide open in your life. If you don't have the strength to fight your battles, just show up. Like the lame man did. Just show up. And God will fight for you. Exodus 14, 14. Moses standing at the Red Sea. God says, just show up. God says, just, you know, his way of just showing up, you know what he says? Be still. I will fight your battles for you today. Just show up, stand up for Jesus, and be still. You need only, I will fight your battles for you. You need only to be still. Or I'll say, you need only to show up and be still. So come just exactly as you are and stand for Jesus.